Alright, we have a battle going on here. This battle is between Pharaoh and uh, ultimately God. Pharaoh or Moses. Amen? And uh, we are coming now to the second, third, and fourth uh, miracle or sign or wonder or judgment from God upon the land of Egypt. Okay? Um, Exodus 8 and 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if, they, if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber and upon thy bed and into the house of thy servants and upon thy people and into thine ovens and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon all thy people and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Father, we thank you right now for your mighty presence. We ask God your will would be done, Lord, as we stand in your presence to declare your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Second plague. The Bible begins in verse 1. The Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go. He's already experienced one judgment upon the Nile River. Notice how God does this. He speaks to Moses... And he tells Moses to go into Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. So God doesn't just send the judgment. What he does is, he sends Moses and Moses gives him a word. A prophetic word, and this is as you're, you have another opportunity to repent. The judgment on the Nile River has come, and Pharaoh refused to let God's people go even after that. And so, God, in His mercy and in His compassion, He gives Pharaoh another opportunity to repent by going to Pharaoh and telling him. Let my people go, but if you refuse to let them go, another judgment's going to come. And God is good like that because God comes and He brings warning after warning after warning after warning. And sometimes even people in the church, they hear the Word of God. And especially in this season, in this hour, it's very important for you to hear the Word of God and to apply it to your life. Because I believe the Lord is speaking to this church over and over and over and over again. Amen. And sometimes things don't change with one message. People sometimes don't get it the first time. 
And so the judgment came upon Pharaoh and upon the land, but he refused to repent. So God sends another warning. Gives him a chance, another chance, another opportunity to get right with God. It says, if you don't, judgment's coming. The man of God, Moses, had a lot of courage to go and stand before the king, really the king of the world in that day, and tell that man, if you refuse to obey God, another judgment's going to come upon you. So it was the mercy of God. It was the grace of God. It was the compassion of God that was giving this man another opportunity to repent and to let the people of God go. It's an or else kind of a thing. It's what Jesus said to a church in the book of Revelation. Revelation, I believe it's 2 and 5. We'll go read Revelation chapter 2, verse 5 and other places in that second chapter. And it was repent or else. Repent or else. Repent and do the first works. Or else I'm going to come and take your candlestick out of the midst. I'm going to remove that church. If you don't repent, you've lost your first love. If you don't repent, I'm going to remove your testimony. I'm going to remove your witness. I'm going to remove your light. So even to the churches, Jesus brings that kind of warning. As He stands in the midst of His church right now, I believe this is the Lord's church, and the Lord is standing in the midst of this church. And He will come to us at times and He will tell us, especially if we've lost our first love, He will say, repent or else. If you don't repent, your candle is going to be removed. Your opportunity to be a witness, your light is going to be removed. So the Lord, listen to me, he, the Lord is very, it's important to God that the church be what the church should be. He comes in the midst of His people, not just the people of the world like Pharaoh, but He comes in the midst of His people and He tells the people, which is you and I, I hope, repent or else. I'm giving you an opportunity. If you'll hear the Word of God and, and you'll do something with the Word of God and you'll repent, then there won't be the judgment. But when that Word comes forth, Revelation 2, it talks about that church, the church of Ephesus. You've lost your first love. Repent and do the first works or else I will come and I'll remove that golden candlestick. That church will be, the doors will be closed. So when we think about judgment coming, we think about just the judgment that's going to come upon the world. The Lord stands in the midst of His congregation, His church, and He tells us oftentimes, repent or else this is the consequence. How sad it is that when that word comes to repent or else, people don't listen. So then the judgment comes. Then the consequence comes. Because people refuse to listen and they refuse to repent. And this is basically what Moses is telling Pharaoh. He says, repent or else. Repent. Or another judgment's going to come. It's the mercy of God. It's the compassion of God. He could have just sent the judgment without warning. 
And He will do that as we progressively go through the story. There's going to come a judgment from God and God is not even going to send a warning because He's already warned before. And because that warning wasn't heeded, that warning wasn't listened to, and we'll read it to you, He's going to send a judgment in the future without warning. No warning at all. So the fact that God sends Moses with this warning is mercy, is compassion. He's given this man an opportunity to hear His Word and to obey His Word. How many of y'all want to hear and obey the Word of God? I do as well. It's repent or else. Don't, don't choose or else. Because or else is really bad. Amen? But of course, you know what's going to happen. Pharaoh's just going to harden his heart again. He's going to refuse to hear and obey the word of the Lord. But let's read it. The Bible says, God says, Behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs. Interesting. Because in that culture of Egypt, they worshipped the frog god. This. And this was a very grotesque looking god. Small g. It had the head of a frog and the body of a woman. It was the false god, goddess of fertility. The name of this false god was Hect. H-E-K-T. I've already read it to you last uh, Sunday how the Bible says that when God brought judgment upon the land of Egypt, He was bringing judgment on the false gods of Egypt as well. Who is the superior God? Is it this grotesque, frog-headed woman that is worshipped as the goddess of fertility? Is she more powerful than God? God is going to show them no, that He's the superior God, and that He's going to judge that false goddess. The Bible says that Moses has direction from the Lord in verse 3. And the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and, and come into thine house and into thy bedchamber and upon thy bed and into the house of thy servants and upon thy people and into thine ovens and into thy kneading troughs. When God, when God brings this judgment, these frogs, can you imagine these frogs? I mean, they're coming out of everywhere. They're going to be coming out of the Nile. They're going to be coming out of all the water sources in the land of Egypt. I mean, they're just going to be coming out of everywhere. And they're filling the land, these frogs. Okay. And they're so bad. There, there's so many of them that it tells us that this, if you can understand what I'm about to say, it's, it's really, um, it's an infiltration. Look at your neighbor and help me preach. Say it's an infiltration. These frogs that are going to come into the land of Egypt are going to infiltrate the land of Egypt. And it is a judgment from God Almighty. What do these frogs represent biblically? Well, we know it's a false god that's supposed to be the goddess of fertility. But Revelation chapter 16, it talks about three unclean spirits that will come out of the mouth of the beast, the false prophet, the dragon. 
These frogs then in the Word of God prophetically speak of demonic spirits. They speak of sin in the life of a person. They speak of in, an infiltration of sin in all different areas in the life of people. An infiltration of demonic spirits that is in that land and is going to move into that land. They're going to be everywhere. Notice, where are they going to be located, this infiltration of frogs? The Bible says they're going to come into the houses. They're going to come into your bedchamber. If they come into your house, this nuisance of frogs comes in your house and, and then gets in your bedchamber with you, what do the frogs do? They're removing rest. When God sends a judgment like a frog-like judgment of an infiltration that takes place, what is going to happen is rest will be lost. The Bible says they're going to be in the bedchamber upon your bed into the house of your servants and you with me here? And upon thy people Oh, even on the people. These frogs, if they, if they, we'll call it an attack, an infiltration gets on people. What, what is it again? It's a type of sin. It's a type of demonic attack. What are they doing? They're going to take rest from you. When you're under demonic attack, you'll, they will take rest from you. Sin infiltration in your life. If you got sin in your life, you can't sleep. You understand what I'm saying? Because sin will come and infiltrate your life and it will take your ability to rest, to sleep. You understand? Demonic spirits will come. When you're not hearing and obeying the Word of God, you're rebelling against the Word of God, and God unleashes this type of judgment, when, it, when these frogs get on a person, what are they going to do? They're going to destroy. And again, typically they represent sin. Typically they represent demonic spirits. And when they get on your body, they will destroy your beauty. Can you imagine frogs being all over you? What sin does to your life is it destroys your body. It destroys your beauty. Hallelujah. You with me here today? Brother Heath and I was talking about this. He was telling me uh, some program called Where Are They Today? He said I, he happened to be viewing this. And Where are they today? These, these famous movie stars of the past, you know, some of these famous women of the past. And, you know, they had natural beauty in the past. He said, but now you see them. Their beauty's gone. Why is that? Is because sin, sin in their life, demonic activity in their life comes upon their bodies and destroys that beauty, that natural beauty that was there. And I told Brother Heath, I said, well, that doesn't happen to the sisters in the church. It doesn't happen to the sisters in the church. 
You might age, but your beauty's not destroyed. You see people that they smoke cigarettes, their skin. You can tell by looking and their skin is, you know, it's, it's lost its elasticity. It, it, it just doesn't look good. It just, it's just a mess. Frogs infiltrating your life takes your beauty away. You give your life to sin and we won't recognize you in five years. You walk away from God and you let that infiltration of frogs into your life of sin and demonic activity in your life and in five years we won't recognize you. It will slowly eat away at your body. I'm telling you the truth. You may have some young, handsome young man and a, some, some beautiful young woman. They're in the church and all of a sudden they decide to leave God. You give it time. The next time you see them, you'll see the mars of sin and demonic activity in their life. The beauty's gone. They've listened to the lies of the enemy. They try to beautify themselves like the world tries to beautify themselves. And, and when you look at him, he say, you think, don't you know you ugly? We're going to have to fix you. Somebody say, praise the Lord. But that's what frogs do. They're unclean. They infiltrate your life. They infiltrate your beauty. They take it away from you. They lie to you. They tell you this is beautiful, but it's not. It makes you ugly. God says, I'll beautify the meek with salvation. When you see somebody living for God, man or woman, hallelujah, their body has been delivered. Their body has been saved. I think about Brother Nehera. When he first came into the church, he was that close to death. That close to death. His body was wrapped with sickness. That close to death. Look what the Lord has done. God delivered him. He repented of his sin. And God delivered him of that sin and, and all of that harmful activity. And God healed that man. Not only saved that man, but healed that man. Gave him his, his life back. Took him out of the grave. But it was a life that was given to frogs. It was a life that was given to the infiltration of sin and demonic activity that almost took his life. But the Lord saved him and healed him. He's a miracle. You say, well, I want to see a miracle, Pastor. Brother, stand up and let us let's see a miracle, please. He's a miracle of God. He's a humble man. He doesn't want to be recognized. But I'm telling you, that, that's a testimony to the glory of God that God can snap you out of the grave. But what that, what that sin does and that demonic activity, frog-like activity does is it gets on your body and it starts destroying your natural beauty. Amen. And then the Bible says, not only that, but they went into the ovens and into the kneading troughs. They went in even to the food, in, into where people eat. Infiltration of frogs in the, in the area of food, what goes into your mouth.
infiltration of sin, smoking cigarettes, smoking dope, drinking alcohol, taking poisonous pills, is what that's a picture of. You with me? How many of you have ever been through that? Through your mouth, you ingested frogs. You ingested sin. Hallelujah. Alcohol, drugs, cigarettes. Are y'all with me? That's what these frogs do. And not only that, but the Bible is very clear as you study the Scripture as a whole that frogs croak. Amen? They blow up. You know what it's a picture of? When they blow up, it's a picture of pride. People get puffed up. Pride. And then they start exhaling. Their pride. In the ears of the Egyptians, in the ears of the Israelites, you could hear the nuisance of their croaking constantly in their ears. The pride of the frog. And frogs love shallow waters. They don't love deep waters. They love shallow waters. They don't want deep and mighty moves of God. They only want a, you know, a little bit of water. Deep waters will come and wash them away. Mighty floods and flows of God's Spirit will come and remove them from our midst. Frogs love shallow waters. That's so why you need the Spirit of God in you. That's why I need the Spirit of God in me. You need to be full of a water that flows out of our life. Because what it does is it drives that infiltration of frogs out of our lives. It brings rest to us. Hallelujah. We start eating on the right things. Feeding on the right things. We start listening to the right things. We get rid of pride. But the nuisance of those frogs that went into the ears of those people Again, a picture and a type of what you allow yourself to hear with your ears. There's some music that if you would listen to that music, are frogs that are croaking. And they're getting into your ear gate. And going down into your soul and into your spirit. And defiling you. Infiltrating. you got to watch what you listen to. Is it a frog that I'm listening to right now? This croaking, that's a nuisance. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to try to name all the different types of music, but I mean, I'm telling you, just about all of them have something. This croaking, croaking, croaking. When frogs come to your life, they will take over your house. It's not just going to be one. It's going to be a multitude. They're going to take over your house. They're going to take over what goes in your mouth, what you're listening to. They're going to infiltrate every aspect of your life. They're going to take over your bed so you can't rest. It is a judgment from God Almighty upon sin. You worship this. God says, I'm going to send it to you. You want it that bad? I'll let you have it. But I'm going to use it as a judgment against you. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we need, to, we need to pray. We need to seek the Lord. And, and we need to let the Word of God do its work in our life. 
And we need to repent when God calls us to re re repent so that an infiltration doesn't come. An infiltration of demonic spirits in your life or sin that's in your life that's going to take over every part of your living. How is it that so many people in the church of the living God are comfortable with frogs in their life? They're everywhere. And they're comfortable with them. The Bible says... Where are they going to come from? They're going to come from the river. They're going to go in all areas of their life. And verse 4, And the frogs shall come up both on thee and upon thy people and upon all thy servants. Verse 5, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand, over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. They're everywhere. It's a judgment from God. Pharaoh refused to repent, hardened his heart. Now they're inundated. Notice what the Bible says, as I told you before. We have the Egyptian magicians. They're able to perform this same type of sign. They're able also to bring forth frogs. And I told you before, occult activity. Occult activity. There is power. The devil does have power. It's occult activity. But notice this. These magicians, instead of helping the situation, instead of standing up and removing the judgment and standing up and removing the frogs, standing up, if you will, typically removing the sin and removing the demonic activity. They did not have power to stop the judgment of God. The judgment of God had come. They couldn't reverse that judgment. All they could do and all the devil ever does is just pile on. He just adds more to the problem. You looking for the devil to help you to get rid of your frogs? The devil never help you get rid of your frogs. All he can do is just add to the problem. That's why so many people today, they come up with plans. We're going to plan to fix this problem this way. And we're, going to, we're going to plan to fix this problem that way. And government programs and all kinds of things that are implemented to fix the problem you find out it only got worse. Because the devil and systems that are without God can't fix the problem. They only add to the problem. And so the Bible tells us as we read, Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. There's some things that the occult can do that imitate the things of God. Do you understand? Verse 8, Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. See, the magicians couldn't remove them, so we better get Moses and Aaron and, and said, Entreat the frogs 
from me and from my people. I'll let the people go that they may be, do sacrifice unto the Lord. He didn't say, okay, all right, I'm going to let the people go first and then we'll deal with the frogs after I let the people go. No, he said, entreat for me, get rid of the frogs and then I'll let the people go. He doesn't care anything about the people. He just wants this judgment gone. He has no intention of letting the people of God go at all. He just wants this, these frogs to be gone, this judgment to be gone. He says, look at him. Call for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I'll let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy house that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. Sin doesn't make you smarter, church. I know you don't like it, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I mean, Moses asked the guy, when do you want these frogs to be gone? He said, tomorrow. Oh, you want to sleep with them another night? I mean, when you read that today, how stupid can you get? Tomorrow? But see, that's the way people are when it comes to sin. Sin will make you a procrastinator. Sin always says tomorrow. Why? Because they don't want to get rid of the sin that's in their life. They want to hold on to it till tomorrow. They just don't like the consequence they're going through. They have no desire to repent of their sin. They just want the consequences to go away. Tomorrow. I'm willing to live with these frogs, the infiltration, one more night. How many people do you know? How many people do I know? That are willing to live with the filth and the sin that's in their life. The infiltration. Sin makes you a procrastinator. It makes you put off till tomorrow what should be done today. You think sin just going to let you go? You decide, well, I don't want sin in my life. You think it's just going to let you go? No, it's going to try to hold on you, Brother Daniel, until the very end. I'm going to call you brother because I've got to believe it prophetically. It's going to hold on to your life with everything it possibly can. Till you get to a place tomorrow. Sin hardens the life. Sin hardens you. And the more you say no to God and the longer you delay repenting, the more your soul becomes hardened. And the less likely you will say today, sin will say tomorrow. It's a procrastinator. People don't want to give up their sin. They want to hold on to their sin. Come on. Pharaoh, I thought you were supposed to be wise. I thought you were supposed to be a smart person. You know, you're supposed to be the ruler of the, of the earth. And they believe that Pharaoh came down from heaven as a god, as a, as, a, as a god from heaven. He's supposed to be a god. Sin doesn't make us smarter. 
it makes us stupid. And I know you don't like it, but some of the decisions that you make in your life is because you always say tomorrow. And when you do that, it's a manifestation of your ignorance. Come on, Pharaoh. Use your brain. You're smarter than that. You know, come on, man, somebody, I got a problem right now, and somebody comes to me and says, okay, when do you want this problem removed? Uh, well, okay, tomorrow. No, I want it gone now. I want demonic infiltration gone now. I don't want it gone tomorrow. I want it gone now. When do I want sin to be gone in my life? Now, not tomorrow. I can't stand living one more night with frogs in my bed. Aren't you thankful for the wisdom of God? Have you ever tried to talk to people like old Pharaoh, hard-headed? You ever tried to talk to him? Won't you repent of your sin? Get right with God. Don't you see, man? Devastating your life? Tomorrow. And you plead with him, and you plead with him, and you plead with him. But their hearts got hardened. Sad, isn't it? Help me preach. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to help me preach. Look at your name and tell, tell them sin don't make you smarter. Amen. Help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, that might be your problem. I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. What is your problem? I finally found out it's sin doesn't make you smart. Man, you repent of your sin and say, okay, yeah, go ahead, get your people out. And then after you get your people out, get the frogs out now, you know. I don't want to live with them anymore. Now, we laugh at Pharaoh, right? But what about us? What about you? You wanted to live with it every day. You're willing to live with that infiltration of frogs every day. And you're not willing to put it out today. I'm telling you as I preach to you, some of you right now need to make a decision today to get the frogs out of your house. Because if you don't, they're just going to keep croaking. They're going to get in your food. They're going to get in your bed. It's just a total infiltration of frogs. Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 10, he said, tomorrow, he said, be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. He's superior over Het, this frog god that you worship. He's superior over this goddess. Fertility's everywhere. You know, you can say it that way. Fertility's everywhere. And don't we live in that kind of generation? Seducing spirits, doctrines of devils everywhere. Tomorrow. Moses says, all right, 
God is going to do what you're asking. That God might get the glory. So if you recognize this false God you worship, this false God of fertility is not the true God. The God of the Hebrews, the one God of the Hebrews, He is superior to these false gods that you worship. So the Bible says, And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people and they shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the village and out of the fields and they gathered them together upon heaps and the land stank this is the third time in two plagues that the Bible says the land was full of stench when the Nile River was turned to blood the Bible says in chapter 7 two times the land stank this you know, big old piles big old mountains of frogs everywhere just rotting frogs the land stank. The stench remained. The infiltration of frogs, the infiltration of the sin was, was dealt with, was removed. The infiltration, if you will, if you understand, of sin in life was removed. But the stink was still there. How many times people come to the house of God and God forgives them of their sin, does mighty works in their life But the stench is still there. It's not that God didn't forgive them. God forgave them. But that old lifestyle of sin is going to smell for a while. It takes time not to be forgiven. It doesn't take time to be forgiven. When you confess your sin and put it in the blood, Jesus Christ will forgive you instantly if it's genuine repentance. What takes time to remove is the stench of the old life. You talk about somebody that was in the church. They fall out of the church. They get out of the church. And they come back to the house of God. And they're, you know, they repent of that sin of falling away. Do you realize, church, that it's still going to take us as a church and as your pastor some time to get rid of the stench of their sin it's still going to be there it's going to take time to get rid of the stink I say yeah I believe God forgave you but there's still there's stuff in your life that stinks it's still hanging on to you it's still with you for a while how many of y'all know what I'm talking about I mean, even in your own life, you know, God forgave you and God delivered you and God did wonderful works in love, but you can still smell something. I can. It's that old way. It's that old Adam. He's, he's, been, he's been dead for a while. He's been dead because Jesus Christ came into your life. He, and Jesus says the last Adam came into your life. That old Adam was, was crucified with Jesus Christ. But that old Adam, you can still smell him. And if somebody comes in the church, and I'll just say it to you this way, they are not 
truly restored until you get the stench off of them. They may come in for and repent and say, okay, yeah, I want to live for the Lord. But you see them, you watch them, and you smell them. Not literally. Not literally, please. But you can still smell the stench of demons. If you've ever, if you've ever been around a person that has a demon in them, a demonic spirit in them, they smell like sulfur. They smell like bad breath. Not that you, if you got bad breath, not that you got a demon in you. But they do. They, they, they have an odor to them. Unclean spirits. Stenches. They may be, are you on me? Removed, but they're still going to leave the stink. The odor is going to be there. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And a person, when they fall away from God and they come back to the church, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. You need to get it in your spirit. They are not truly restored until the stench is removed. Not just forgiveness of sin, but the effects of their decisions that they made. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some washing of the Word. It's going to take some time of dealing with those people. Hallelujah. They picked up a scent. It doesn't smell good. The scent of sin. And a lot of times people, when they come to church, they don't realize it. And they do, you know, God does something powerful in their life. And they don't understand. They still are tempted to go back to that old lifestyle. They don't realize the frogs have been removed from their houses. But they're dealing with the odor. You, you, you've got to keep coming to the house of God and hear that Word of God preached over and over and over because we're, we're cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word. Not just baptism, but this Word cleanses us. Hallelujah. It gets rid of something. Something doesn't smell right. gets rid of the smell. Thank God. Of course, if you're not careful, you can get used to the odor. You can get used to the odor. Maybe your own odor. Or maybe the odor of somebody else. And you start accepting it. You start embracing it. You start looking at it. They're not so bad. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Amen. I mean, you know when you can start smelling yourself. You know everybody else can. But if you're, if you're not careful, though, you can, you can get accustomed to your stink. You can get accustomed to living filthy with filthy homes, filthy cars, filthy lives. Spirits love that atmosphere. They love. That's why they're called unclean spirits. They're looking for unclean situations. That's why I said not long ago, I said, if you want to be a, a 
A sheep, a sheep is a clean animal. You're welcome here. But if you want to keep living like a pig, you're going to have to find a pig farmer because that's where spirits are sent into pigs. Unclean. But I'm a saint, Pastor. I'm a sheep. I'm a child of God. I've been delivered. Yeah, I know. But we can still smell the stench. Really? Is it there? Yeah, you just got used to it. You got used to living with it. You know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all seen those shows of hoarders? They hoard all this stuff, man. <clears throat> they got used to living with it. Man, you go in their house, they got trash piled up to the roof. Walking around in feces and everything else. Living it, living in it. Comfortable with it. And most normal people are going to have to go in there with gloves and masks and everything else just to clean the, they can't stand the stitch there. But that person got used to the filth. Aren't you glad that Jesus came and saved you? Saved you out of filth in more than one way, but oh, come on! You can you can put on a good front, you can put on a good show, and you can act the part. But I'm telling you, I'm preaching the word of God to you, and the word of God defines for you and for myself what's real. I don't want just the frogs to be removed out of my life. I want it the stink to be removed, because only and I say this, say this again only. And only when the stench is removed is a person truly restored. Only then. And we're going to work with people with compassion and mercy. And we're going to seek to restore people in compassion and mercy. But we're not going to accept the stink. Can't do it. Because then all we're saying is this. We're accepting you in an unrestored condition. Amen. How many believe God wants to save everybody? How many believe God wants to restore church people that's fallen away? I believe that. And I believe He can forgive just like that. And He can remove the frogs. But after He does, there's some stuff, church, that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to clean up. Amen? Might be stinking thinking. Oh, you don't. See, you don't want to come here. You don't want to come here. You want to go to a church down the street where they don't talk like this. Why are you here? Because you want to be here, don't you? So do I. Man, I don't want to be deceived. I want to be clean. I want the frogs to be removed and I want the stink to be removed out of my life. Hallelujah. Man. Something don't smell right. Don't override your olfactory. Say praise the Lord. You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? You didn't know the Bible said that once the frogs were removed, the land 
stink. I like these kind of services. These are the ones I like. When you come to, you know, come to church services at night, a lot of times people are really worshiping God, and they're all around the front, man, they're going to charge the stage. They're not quiet like this service, you know, but I like this service because everybody's quiet. That means God's talking to you. He's talking to you. So don't procrastinate when it comes to decisions in your life in relationship to sin and spirits. In the name of Jesus, be delivered. Be forgiven. In the name of Jesus, have those spirits driven out. Jesus came to set us free from... We don't have to live with those. But once they live, you have to understand it's going to take time for the stink to go away. I mean, I believe God's Word. Amen. Verse 14, They gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. Okay, now I got through preaching that one. Is anybody going to do with anything with it? That's my question. You're going to do anything with it now. You're not going to procrastinate with the frogs, the infiltration of frogs in your life. Anybody going to do anything with that? You're not going to procrastinate with infiltration. Anybody going to do anything with that? Then once God comes and delivers you, you do realize there's a process. You've got to get rid of the stink. Anybody going to do anything with that? Okay. If you don't, then it, the Word of God is, is falling on soil that's not productive. Gonna do something with it. Amen. Have you ever left something in your life and you repented of it and you said, I know that was wrong? And you repented of it, but you still feel this lingering? You still smell this lingering? Oh, come on. Verse 16. Now the judgment's going to come. Verse 15, But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said, See, once the judgment was lifted by God, this man had no intention of repenting of his sin. He just wanted the trouble to go away. He just wanted the consequences for his rebellion to be removed. And when the consequences was lifted, he went back to the same way of living. Pretty easy to apply, right? How many people are like that? As soon as the, they come, maybe God does something for them and the trouble goes away. The consequences go away. And maybe you help them get the consequences off of their life. And once the trouble goes, once the consequence goes, they go right back to their sin. They have no desire to repent whatsoever. They just don't like the consequences. They don't like living the way they're living. If you don't like living the way you're living, don't just ask God to remove the consequence. Repent so God can bless you.
Verse 16, the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. This is the... They worship the land God. They worship the earth God. They worship Seb, S-E-B. You understand? Smite the earth. It's a judgment upon that false god, Seb. What's going to come out of that earth, out of that ground, is lice. Some kind of lice. Fleas. That, that kind of little, little small insect of some kind. Okay? Fleas. Fleas. Ooh, I hate fleas. Man, they're thinking, jump. You walk by your dog, the, the, you, all of a sudden you got fleas on you. Where'd that come from? That flea jumped, man. He'd be in the Olympics. They just jump, they jump all over you. These fleas are lice, what, whatever type of bug it was. The Bible says it translated lice. But they get on your skin and they cause skin irritations. Notice, when this judgment came, there was no warning from God. He had given Pharaoh warning before the judgment came, but now the judgment came and there was absolutely no warning that came. That's the scary one. Go to Proverbs 29 and verse 1. How many times God comes in love and compassion and mercy and warns people and they harden their heart. Here's what the Scripture says. Proverbs 29 and 1. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. It's judgment that comes unawares. Judgment unawares. No warning comes. God in His love and mercy and compassion warned and warned and the people, the person as Pharaoh did, just hardened the heart. And now there comes a time when God says, I'm going to send a judgment. I'm not even going to warn them that it's coming. That's the scary one. His judgment unawares. There's people right now that have been warned and warned and warned. And I already preached it to you. The gates are closing on them. Judgment's fixing to come on them with no warning whatsoever. Judgment unaware. Person keeps hardening their, their neck, often being reproved. They've been reproved more than one time, but they keep hardening their neck. God said they're going to be destroyed, and that without remedy. They won't even have a chance. They won't even see what's coming. And everything's all right. You, you, I don't get it. It's not all right. To think that a person is in that position right now, having been often reproved, hardened their neck, refused to, to bend their knee to God, or, bend their, or bow their head to the Lord, and because of that constant rebellion, to think that judgment is fixing to fall on them without warning. 
That's what happened in this passage here. Pharaoh's hardened his heart. Again, didn't let the people go. Didn't listen to God. Verse 16, so stretch out that rod and smite the dust of the land that it may become lies throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth and it became lice in men, man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So the third plague is where their power stops. See? The devil's power is limited. Occultic power is limited. They may imitate this, they may imitate that, but at some point their power is limited. When they tried to imitate this plague, they could not do it. They were stopped. But notice how stupid, again, I, I don't know, stupid's not my favorite word, but when I look at this, look at these stories, I think to myself, how stupid can you get? When the Nile River was turned to blood, the magicians turned other good water into blood. When the frogs came, they added to the problem by bringing more frogs. Here they are again when the lice come or the fleas come, skin irritations come, here they are again trying to add to the problem. They don't have the ability to stop the judgments. But at this point, they can't even imitate it. These insects, fleas all over their body, lice all over their body, man. Think about the Egyptians. You know, they got, inf they got infections in their skin, you know, with the fleas. I mean, they're ugly looking. You know what I'm saying? They can't shave themselves anymore because shaving the head and shaving their body was a part of their worship. Their whole worship system has been shut down by God. Their whole ability to worship God has been shut down by God. Pharaoh refused to let people worship God. God says, okay, I'm going to touch you in your worship. I'm going to judge you in your false worship. So you won't even be able to worship your false God. It's a reciprocating judgment. There's some judgments that come that are not reciprocating judgments. But this one's a reciprocating judgment in the sense that you wouldn't allow worship to the true God. So I'm going to judge your worship. You study it, you'll understand. They couldn't clean, they couldn't shave their bodies. This was a part of their religious worship. Somebody seeks to hinder the worship of the true God. God says, I'll step in and I'll stop your false worship in its tracks. I'll stop it in its tracks. Kind of hard to shave when you've got skin irritations all over your body. That's part of their worship, man. And they did so. Okay, verse 18. The magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. 
Didn't it? Now look at the response of even the magicians. Remember what God said in, in, in the third chapter of Exodus? That by a mighty hand He would smite Egypt. By a mighty hand. And when these occult magicians can't duplicate the plague, here's what they say. Verse 19, Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. God said He would smite Egypt with His hand. And now even the magicians are saying, right, We see part of the hand of God. We see His finger. This is God. You know, if, if somebody won't listen to a Moses or to an Aaron, God speaking through His Word to them, maybe, just maybe, they'll listen to their companions that they're running with. You'd be surprised how many people in the world, they've never been in the church. They've never experienced what you and I have experienced. And they know you came out of the church and they start seeing things happening to you. And they got enough sense to recognize this is the judgment of God on you. Even people in the world have enough to know this is God. What happened in you is God. How sad the church is not like that. They can't put two and two together. They, they don't, they don't want to see it. There's somebody out of the will of God. All of these things happening to them. You can't see that it's a judgment from God. The people in the world can see that. And they tell Pharaoh, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Surely now, Pharaoh would listen. You think he will? How many of y'all think Pharaoh's going to listen? The Bible says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. He wouldn't even listen to his magicians. That's how hard a person can become, church. You, you can become so hard, a person can become so hardened in sin that they won't listen to anybody. They won't listen to a pastor. They won't listen to a saint of God. They won't even listen to their companions that recognize God is judging you. That's what hard, that's what sin does to a person. It hardens their soul to a point they stop listening altogether. The judgments are not getting to them. They're not getting the message that the judgments bring into them. They're not hearing the pastor. They're not hearing the saints of God. They're not even listening to the world. And the world is saying, God is judging you. When you get to that point, you are hardened. That's what sin does. 
it's a, it has a hardening effect. And the more you say no to God, the harder and harder you get. And pretty soon, even, even your so-called companions can recognize you're in big trouble because you have backslid away from God. I'm not listening to you either. Sad, isn't it, that you can get that hard? Start saying yes to God. Start saying yes to His Word. Because every time you say no to God, the harder it's going to be to say yes to God. And these things are going to come in, come in a person's life. The judgment is going to come in a person's life. And all these things start happening to them. And refuse, still refuse to turn. You look in the book of Revelation. And this used to really, when I would read it and study it or whatever, and I read it, it would blow my mind, church, that the judgments of God that's going to fall upon the earth in the future the seals, the trumpets, the bowls of wrath, when those judgments come from God, and it's clear they're coming from God, the Bible says they repented not of their sorceries. They repented not of their fornication. I'm going... The judgments of God are falling on you and you are still refusing to repent of your fornication. You're still refusing to repent of your sorceries. That's how hard this world is becoming. That even when the judgments of God in the book of Revelation, the tribulation period begin to come upon this earth, you would think, man, if all these bad things were coming on people, that they would be repenting for asking God to forgive them. But instead, no. The Bible says they refuse to repent. We're moving in that time. That even the judgment, I just, I'd read that and I just couldn't hardly believe it. That the judgments that are coming on this earth, that they're that severe, still won't bring some people to repentance. They're still not going to live for God. That was Pharaoh. Verse 19, the vision said in Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He hearkened not unto them, and the, as the Lord said. Verse 20, And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning. Pharaoh still won't listen. Okay, here's the time. Notice it all comes from God. Moses doesn't get up and do it, do it on his own. He gets direction from God. When to go, where to go, and how to go. <clears throat> God tells him <clears throat> to get up early in the morning. Once again, time. And stand before Pharaoh. Get in his way. Let that man know who thinks he's a God. Let him know you're subject to Yahweh. You're subject to God Almighty. Whether you want to be subject to God or not, you are subject to God Almighty. I'm, he's standing in your way right now. You think you're a God? You're all high and mighty? 
You don't want to bow your knee to God. You're in a battle with God. God's letting you know He's standing right in front of you. And even you, Pharaoh, are subject to God. Whether you want to be or not, you still are. And that's, that, that's what people got to understand. Even when they rebel against God, they are still subject to Him. Even when they don't want to live for Him. He's still getting in their way, letting them know, I'm still in charge here. You're not. You think you are. You think you have your freedom. You think you can do whatever you want to do. But you are still subject to Yahweh. You're still subject to Jesus. That's what's so ridiculous. People think they have their freedom. They can quit God, leave the church and everything else. You know, or people in the world want to live, live in sin because they don't want to be subject to the Lord. You're still subject to Him. He's still the sovereign of the universe. Whether you like it or not, He's still calling the shots. He's still in charge of your life whether you want it or not. You can run from God. You can flee from God. You can reject God. You can rebel against God. But God says, Oh, you think you're in control? I'll show you. I'll get in your way right now. You don't have as much freedom as you think you've got. Best thing to do is just come and just bow your knee to the Lord because you're going to be subject to Him one way or the other. Amen. You're going to be subject to Him. He's going to judge the fire out of you. One judgment after another. One judgment after another. He's going to judge you. He's going to hit you with one judgment after another. He's going to declare to you whether you like it or not. I'm in charge. I, you are still subject to me. And I'm going to hit you judgment after judgment after judgment. So you might as well just bow your knee and say voluntarily, Lord, I submit to you. Save me. These people who think they're free from God, they're not free from God, Brother Heath. He's the sovereign of the universe, man. He hit them one judgment after another. You know what I'm saying. I am willingly bow my knee to the Lord. Willingly. Because I don't want the consequence. Hallelujah. I mean, how do you want, how many of you want a representative of God standing in your way? Up early in the morning, you know, you think, well, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to do my thing and nobody's going to know it. And in this case, it's a worship he's going to be doing early in the morning. And as soon as he, I mean, Moses is standing right there. Oh. Pharaoh, you think you're in charge? I got a word from God this morning. You're not in charge. He is. And I'm standing in your way right now. You see, Pharaoh didn't, didn't want to accept it. He was still subject to God. He didn't want to accept it, but he was. God was in control of everything that was going on. Somebody say praise the Lord. Just bow to Him. You know? How many of you want to submit to God? I want to submit to God. I want to submit to God. Submission is not obedience. Obedience is a part. But submission is not obedience. Remember we told, told you about that preacher's preaching? He gave the illustration. The parents told that, that uh, 
their kid to sit down. And so the kid sat down, right? He looks up. And he said, I'm seated on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. Obedience was, he sat down. But he wasn't submitted. Because on the inside, he was still standing up. That's where a lot of people are. They obey because they had to. But they're not, they don't have a submissive spirit because they're still rebelling on the inside. And Moses is saying to, to Pharaoh, God through Moses, you're still subject to me whether you want to or not. How many of y'all love the Lord today? <laughs> How many want to just bow your and say, okay, yes, Lord, I get it. <sighs> the preacher just, he just keeps, mm, just, <clears throat> He won't let up. He just... <clears throat> you know how stubborn God Almighty is? In a good sense, God is stubborn. You, you think you're hard-headed and stubborn. Ezekiel started preaching to a bunch of people that are hard-headed. They had a, the head of an adamant stone. They were hard-headed as they could possibly be. And God says, don't worry about it, Ezekiel. He said, I'll make your head even harder than theirs. God's hard-headed. You want to butt heads with God, I promise you who's going to win. He's going to win. You're going to be in some pain. God's, a, God's got a hard head. Pharaoh's hard-headed. But look, uh, God, God is relentless. God doesn't give up. God doesn't quit. He is relentless when it comes to His will. And if you want to butt heads with God, God's going to stand right in front of you. He's going to get in your way. And He's going to say, you're subject to me whether you want it or not. God is tenacious. God is relentless. And I thank God for that. Because if I'd have got my way, I'd be in hell today. Give the Lord a praise. I'm going to say it again. If I had my way, I'd be in hell today. If you had got your way, you'd be in hell today. But the Lord, because He was hard-headed. Praise God. He said, I'm tired of getting in trouble all the time. Really? You're tired of getting in trouble all the time? Learn this. God does not back down. When it comes to His kingdom and His word and His will, He will not back down. So that means I have to. And I'm willing to. And I know you are too. You're willing to, aren't you? Amen. Do you see the point I'm trying to make today? How tenacious... And relentless God was. He just kept on, kept on, kept on getting in His way. Kept on pronouncing judgment. Kept on speaking His will. He didn't say, okay, well, Pharaoh's not going to listen, so I guess he wins. No, God said, no, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. God says, I'm going to win. I'm going to tell you right now, bless your little heart. God's, God, uh, Holy Ghost says right now, God says, I'm going to win. God's going to win. He's got a hard head. You keep trying to butt heads against him. He's going, right, okay, I'm going to win. 
is. He's tenacious. He's relentless. He don't sit down. He don't quit. He don't tap out. You might tap out. You might quit. You might give in. But God's not like that. God doesn't tap out. God's going to win one way or the other. You say, Pastor, it's your way or the highway. No, it's God's way or the highway. I said, it's God's way or the highway, including me. Including me. It's God's way or the highway. That's the way it is. He's unrelentless, church. You can't win that fight. You kick against the pricks. and You kick against the pricks. And you kick against the pricks. And all you're doing is stabbing yourself. You can't win, Paul. You can't win, Pharaoh. God is relentless. He's tenacious. Thank God for it. You know, I'm thinking about Brother Edmonds right now as I preach to you, missionary to Taiwan. He's got a he's got a relentless spirit, tenacious spirit. No matter what comes, man, I, that, some of the things he's told me that's happened to them, just just what it was is just the pressure, just pressure to give in, pressure to quit, pressure. No, he's got God in him. You've got to have God in you. You have to have, listen, because if you don't, you'll be weak. You'll see situations you'll be involved with people and you know they're out of the will of God. And if you're not careful, you get weak. No. Come on. That's it. Repent. That's the word for you. Repent. Because God is not weak in the knees when it comes to His will and to His sin. He'll come and stand in your way. Thank God He did. He kept you. Listen. Somebody said, well, everybody has a free will, and I believe that. But I also know God has the ability to override your free will when He chooses to. And I thank God that He overrode my free will because I'd be in hell right now. I thank God He overrode some of your free will because you would have destroyed yourself if God hadn't been tenacious and unyielding and unmovable. God is unmovable. Thank God for it. And that His Spirit's got to get inside of you. It's got to get inside of me when we're dealing with situations that want compromise. I'm not moving on this. I'm not moving. You can point a finger. You can threaten me. You can say this or you say that. But I'm not moving. Come on, give God praise. Give Him praise. The Bible says when you've done all to stand, stand. You're just about out of strength to stand. He said you keep standing. Go stand in front of Pharaoh. That's what God wants. Hallelujah. I thank God He put that in me. I thank God He put it in some of you. 
just that nothing, nothing, no matter what hits you, you're still standing. No matter what kind of attack the enemy could bring you, you're still standing. No matter what he could bring against this church, this church is still standing because God is standing up. How many times the enemy thought he had us? How many times the enemy thought he had you? And God stood up and got in his way. You didn't realize that that was the mercy, the great mercy and grace of God Almighty when He got in your way and He stopped that situation. You might not have liked it when it happened, but you didn't realize it, Pharaoh, that even in your case, when God got in your way and took a stand, that was grace. When God stands up in your life, and refuses to move, you need to praise Him. You might not like it at the time, but you need to thank thank you, Lord. Because every one of us, including myself, can make decisions that will take us out of the will of God. Yes, we can. Thank God when He hems you into His will. There's no way out. I'd like to get out, but there's no way out. I'm hemmed into the will of God. Thank God. He's standing in front of me. He's my real reward. He's standing behind me. He's standing beside me. Want to move this way? I bump into God. This way, bump into God. This way, bump into God. Everywhere I look, I'm bumping into God. I want to get away, but I can't get away. I just keep bumping into God. You need to thank God. He's still in your way. You just keep bumping into God everywhere you come. You're trying to get away from Him. God said, get up early in the morning and you're going to get in front of Pharaoh. Aren't you thankful for that? I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost. Thank God for a stubborn God. In a good sense. Stubborn God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if that doesn't rise up in you or that doesn't rise up in me, it can bring great, great harm because we think we're doing something and all we've done is just bowed out. We just bowed out and we just gave in. Sometimes when you pray, just pray, God, let me be like Moses. Not to bow out. Not to give in to the pressure. Give me a tenacity. Give me an unrelentless spirit. Give me a head harder than a flint. The Bible says Jesus set His face to Jerusalem. He made up His mind that nothing was going to keep Him from going to what? The cross. You've got to have that about you. You're called to preach. You better have it about you because you just have to have a, a certain hard-headedness about you. You know what I'm saying? Amen, brother. You understand what I'm saying? Anybody out there got a hard head as I come to a close? Anybody got a hard head? You got a hard head, brother? You better hope your pastor's harder-headed than you because I'll just let you go off into the pit. 
Right, brother? You got a harder, you got a hard head, man. Not too hard, thank God. But thank God you got a pastor that's got a harder head than you, because because if you don't have anybody that'll take a stand and just let you just do whatever you want to do, you'll walk right off into the into the pit. Amen. I remember I was teaching new life class in church before I was a pastor. New life, new beginnings class, and I was in the sanctuary. My pastor told me to quit at a certain time for prayer meeting. And I'd go a few minutes over, he'd come walking out that side door. I'm looking at him more. Okay, I better quit. <laughs> but the anointing's on me right now. Hallelujah. I can't just stop right now. The anointing's on me. I'm saying good stuff. He's walking down the side. He told me when to quit. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, Pastor. Come on, give me a few more minutes. The anointing's on me. I'm saying good stuff right now. This is life change. He big old tall guy, over six foot tall. I don't know if I learned it as well as I should have learned it but I learned that some of these men of God I got a hard head man you know what I'm saying you need to thank God for that I wouldn't give two cents well maybe two cents for a mother and dad that don't that aren't hard headed about right and wrong. Because your kids, you got it, you got kids and they're hard headed. And sometimes you're gonna have to look at them, you're gonna have to tell them no. You're gonna have to say hard things to them, and you're gonna have to have the tenacity of God in you to do it. The courage. Because if you don't, they're gonna control your life. And in some cases, even from a distance. When they get older, they control your life from a distance. Is this helping anybody? You can't just... And I, I'm not being mean. I know what challenge it is. You just can't let them run wild. You know, and sometimes you get tired, don't you? You know, you get tired of telling them. Keep standing, Mama. Keep standing, Daddy. Okay, you with me here? Stand your ground. Be faithful to God. God will honor you. God will help you. Alright? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of prayer. Trying to encourage you. Stand before Pharaoh, lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me, as if thou wilt not let my people go. Behold, I will send swarms of flies. Again, not too sure what kind of fly this is. There's a, a false god, the scarab beetle that's worshipped in Egypt. 
Could be a reference to that scarab beetle again, the judgment against a false god. Anyway, it says, it says here flies, so we'll leave it in the italics. It's going to come upon thee, upon thy servants, upon thy people, and into thy house. The house of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground wherein they are. Ever heard of the term Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies? Satan. Judgment upon this false god. Verse 22, I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that swarms of flies shall be there to the end, and thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. That no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. I'll put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there came grievous swarms of flies into the house of Pharaoh, into his servants' houses, and in all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. This judgment here, this number four judgment, am I right? Now, frogs, lice, or fleas, and now, flies. Brothers and sisters, there's six more judgments to come. But this judgment right here is going to be so severe on the land, the Bible says it's going to corrupt the land. The word corrupt means devastated. Whatever this insect, whatever this is, fly, whatever it is, it is going to spoil. It's going to devastate the land. A devastating judgment is coming. That's what the word corrupt means. Amen. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go sacrifice to your God in the land. This judgment so severe, Pharaoh finally moves. God has stood in His way. Sent another judgment. A devastating judgment. And He finally begins to move. But it's only a compromise. He says, go ahead and sacrifice, but sacrifice in the land. God said, no, in the wilderness. Go out of Egypt and sacrifice to God in the wilderness. Moses says, in the land. How many people do you know would have took that hook, line, and sinker, that compromise? We get to worship. We get to offer sacrifice in the land. We don't get to leave, but in the land we get to worship. They would have took it, man. Took that compromise. But it wasn't according to the Word of God. And so Moses says this. He tells them, if we sacrifice in the land, that's going to be an abomination to the Egyptians because they worship these animals. We're going to be sacrificing. We can't worship in your land. It'll be an abomination to your people. We've got to separate ourselves. And what is interesting to God, when the fourth judgment came, God said, I'm going to make a distinction between my people and the people of Egypt. The swarms of flies will not come upon Goshen. But notice, in the previous judgment, God didn't say, for their good. 
He didn't say for their good the flies are not coming on Goshen where Israel lived. He said that I might be honored. It's always about the honor of God. And the honor of God brings the, the, uh, the, the good of myself. But it's not always about for your good. It's about God getting honor. That's why He separated, made a distinction between His people and Egypt in that fourth judgment. That He might be honored. But now compromise has been offered to Moses. It won't honor God. Notice. As I come to a close, Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and they shall not, and will they not stone us? Moses refuses to compromise. We will go three days' journey into the wilderness and sacrifice to the Lord our God as He shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far in treat for me. See, that's the way the enemy does. He'll try to get us to compromise. Don't go for the compromise. Be like Moses. No. God's Word says this. I have to obey His Word to the letter. I'm not going to compromise with it. Because that's what the enemy wants you to do. Behold, I go out from thee. I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of the flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully anymore in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses says, I'm not falling for it. I'm not falling for your deception, Pharaoh. You understand? I'm not going to compromise. I'm not falling for your deception. Sometimes we get tricked, don't we? Sometimes we get deceived because we compromised. Stop compromising. You won't be deceived. Go by the word of the Lord. If you do that, you're going to be safe. You protect yourself from delusions and false hope. You understand what's happening? How many of the Lord's come and, I mean, not the Lord, but the enemy has come to you and he's offered you a compromise and you're tempted to take it? Maybe he comes to you and says, You don't need to live. So radical for the Lord? You don't have to be so dedicated and so committed to God. He comes and offers a compromise to us. Oh, you're too extreme. That church is too extreme. The enemy comes to offer you a compromise. And that's the way He'll talk to you. That church is too extreme. It's too radical. You need to go to another church. Isn't that odd? That all I do is stand up here and preach the Word of God to you? 
I don't bring philosophies to you. I bring the Word of God to you. But yet the enemy tells you you need to go to another church. It's a cop-out. It's what it is. It's all it is. It's just a cop-out. It's just a compromise that people get into. They get in this little game. And I'm going to go somewhere else because it's too strict. It's too restrictive. It's too extreme there. It's a game. It's nothing but an excuse to compromise. That's all it is. Moses said no. The Lord said this and we're going to obey the Lord. How many of y'all believe God? I told you earlier, y'all been trained too well. This church has been trained too well. Amen? We're not going to compromise with essential things. Very important things. We're not going to do it. Alright? It sets us up for deception. Anybody hearing it? No, we're going three days in the wilderness. And the enemy comes and says, Stop being so narrow-minded. Moses says, We're going into the wilderness. Why not here? No, we're going into the wilderness. You're too narrow-minded. God said. Okay. Are you with me? My old pastor used to say this. Paul, going back to Paul. Paul was so narrow-minded, you could shoot out both his eyes with one baby. Because he had to deal with this, this, this thing. These the, people are people. People are people. And they would compromise this, compromise that. Too narrow-minded, too strict. Paul was narrow-minded, man. Moses was narrow-minded. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know if it has to be that way. Moses says it did. Does helping anybody? Man, you got to make up your mind. You not only have to be tenacious like God, but you got to make up your mind. you got to be narrow-minded. And people are going to question that and point fingers at you. No, God said this is the way. Amen. I'll entreat the Lord. The swarm of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, from his people tomorrow. Look at this. Tomorrow, again... Okay, Pharaoh, you like it. You like the tomorrow approach. Okay? God says, all right, you don't want to repent today? Then I'm not going to lift the consequences today. God says, I'll lift the consequences tomorrow. God's something else, isn't he? God's something else. You come here and say, tomorrow, God... And then, okay, then later on, God will say, okay, tomorrow to you too, honey. You get what you want. You want it tomorrow, so I'll give you tomorrow. You don't get deliverance till tomorrow. Y'all been, been a good congregation this morning. Verse 31, the Lord did according to the word of Moses and He removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from His servants, from His people. There remained not one. God completely came and did a complete deliverance. There wasn't one fly left. It was a complete work. And Pharaoh, uh-oh, here we go. 
Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also. Neither would he let the people go. Let's stand. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you for the instruction that we have found in your word. We ask that you would apply to each and every person's heart and life. And as each one of my brothers and my sisters, the saints of God in this church are faced with situations in their life that would cause them to yield, cause them to compromise, or seek to cause them to. Give them a spirit like Moses. Give me a spirit like Moses. Let us, Lord, walk the straight and narrow path. Let us be willing, Lord, to live as a people who refuse to compromise. Serve You with all of our hearts. Lord, as judgments begin to fall upon this earth, it's Your goodness seeking to bring people to repentance. I pray they respond and repent and be saved. And we give You all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in everything. We thank You, Lord. It is for our good, but ultimately it's for Your honor. Everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.